Thank you for joining in with Salt and Light Ministry. Please stay tuned as we dive into the heart of God. Doing something a little different here this morning. We're going live, but nobody in here that even needs to even worry about that. You're not on camera. Before we get started this morning, before we dive into God's Word, before we dive into His heart, I just ask you to take and just, yes, I know we just came out of worship. But shift your attitude, shift your thinking process to this fact that the very words that will be spoken here today must be life-changing. Must be life-changing. You know, I, I, I saw something earlier this week. You know, when we were talking about the cold, and I, and I know up north, you know, here in, in especially Wilmington, North Carolina, we don't get no snow here. But you know, when, when the weatherman talks about, you know, that it's going to be uh, very cold or it's going to snow or the possibility of icing, we're very quick to go to the store to get milk, bread, eggs, those necessities. And what are we doing? We're preparing for what's about to happen. Why do we neglect knowing that Jesus is on his way back. Why do we neglect to not prepare for his coming? Is it because we're not seeing it? I mean, but if we open our eyes, just like we spoke about last week, if we open our eyes to be able to see all of these signs are being fulfilled before us. That's how we need to treat today's word that's how we need to be uh, preparing every single day is preparing for his coming and warning others of his coming so if you would just ask the Lord this morning you see I, I, I could pray it I, I could I could ask myself for you but how much more would it mean to the Lord if you asked him yourself Lord Lord prepare my heart Lord let me hear what you have to say today. Let me hear you today, Lord. Let this word come in today and change me into what you've called me to be. Lord, I'm tired of being who I've been my whole life. Lord, and I want to be you. Lord, we realize, Lord, that it's not about our age, how old we are, how young we are, how skinny we are, how fat we are, how much hair we have, how much hair we don't have. See, Lord, that's not what you look at. You look at what's on the inside. Lord, and what's on the inside is what's going to stand before you on that day. What day is that? That day of judgment. being the just judge that you are 
There could be no compassion on that day. As sad as that is to say. Lord, your judgment will be just. So, Lord, today we've made a declaration. We've made a decree. We declare, Lord, today that we will hear your voice. And that our eyes will be open. Our ears will be open, Lord, to hear the everything that you want to speak to us. Lord, and we bless your name today. We glorify you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, you can cut that music if you want as we're just going to continue to roll here i'm just going to start my time again thank you for for those of you that have came today i I always continue to look around because i visualize the people that god has called here it I, i can't be moved by what my eyes see or by what my ears hear again thank you for those of you that have joined us online whichever camera it is that we may be looking at Thank you for joining us online, uh, whether it's your first time. Well, it should be your first time because this will be the first time that we've gone live. Uh, we will be recording this and getting it uploaded uh, later to YouTube. I haven't quite worked out those kinks yet, uh, but that's enough of that story. Again, thank you for joining us. Uh, but what we want to do here is we wanted to dive right on into part three of this series as I begin to study this week as I begin to spend time with God and I'm like oh my goodness Lord I I could go another week I could go another two weeks I could go another three weeks on this series but because that we have already uh, uh, placed people to come and to speak the next couple weeks uh, I I want to be uh, honorable to them and 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 have them to come to share what God's laid on their heart as well and we'll get into that next week so tune back in next week uh we'll have a uh, uh, reverend joseph goodman with us next week he'll be bringing us god's word um and uh just very looking forward to that the week after that february the 4th we'll have reverend Earl mcneil coming uh so we just we're going to welcome him to come and to bring us god's heart as well uh so as we just dive right on in to part number three of this series we've been talking about the something from nothing and everything started from nothing except for god's word and because it was the something because it was the everything it was the only thing that was standing from the beginning of time that we know it but it was before the existence of time his, his word is prevalent his his word word is 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 just omnipotent it's omnipresent it it, it was the everywhere at all things at all times is what his word is and his word existed before us and so so we talked about in in number one number one part number one we talked about that through time and through the duration of time that men has so tried to alter the word of god and, and we're still sitting here uh, 6,000 years later, and we're still trying to alter God's word to fit our lifestyle. But, but we got to uh, be focused and to make our lifestyle fit to God's word. And so that means that we're not going to be the things that our flesh wants to be. We're not going to do the things that our flesh wants to do. Uh, God has called us to be separated uh, from amongst the world. He says, what light has fellowship with darkness? You know, so how can it be dark? 
and light at the same time. Oh, well, it's just an ambiance. Okay, well, this ambiance before God is just not going to be welcome in his presence because he is the light. And so the light's going to, he's going to cast light on everything that was once hidden in our life. So that's why it's so important that we put all those things that we've done wrong that we may continue to do wrong to put them under the blood and to move forward into the everything that he's called us to. Uh, but I don't want to get too caught up in that today because the Lord has given me such a word, such a word for today. Hallelujah. So we're going to be coming out of the book of Mark chapter 7. And as I begin to look... This was like the only, the only actual detailed account where Jesus had brought healing to someone who was dead. But as I began to read, as I began to dive into it, the Lord just opened up my eyes to so many things. Uh, so, so what I want to do here is I want to be able to, to uh, interpolate or to, uh, uh, if I could, convey the very same revelation that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. So in Mark chapter 7, beginning with verse 31. Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sodom before, he came, before going back to the Sea of Galilee and to the region of the Ten Towns. The Ten Towns in the, in, in the other translation also, was also called Decapolis. Decapolis. So verse number 32, and it said, A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him. And the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so that he could be alone. But uh, he put his fingers in the man's ears. Then he spit on his fingers and he touched the man's tongue. Some people would say, oh, gross. Uh, we talked about that last week when Jesus spit on the mud and he and spit on the dirt and made mud and put it on the blind man's eyes. Again, we're seeing things happen here that just doesn't seem to be very sanitary, uh, if we could say it that way. And he touched the man's tongue. Verse 34, he said, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Epothia, Epophatha. Uh, 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 excuse me on that one, but that's the best that you're going to get out of that one, which means be open instantly, uh, instantly. We notice this in instantly. And, and so and we're going to begin to move into the realm of all these things that took place, all these things that transpired and, and what happened here. And it was the the instantly, instantly the man could hear perfectly and his tongue was free so he could speak plainly so here again we see with what we see is a miracle but it is just as simple as the spoken word it was a miracle nonetheless you know uh, this these type of things were not seen these type of things uh, did not take place every day. Uh, these type of things was just not happening around every mountain corner. It was not happening in every town. But see, the reality is, is that when the word came through the town, when Jesus came through the town, when Jesus began to speak the word, when Jesus walked in the authority that God gave him, things happened. Miracles happened. So, so, so when the word, when the word shows up, things begin to happen, right? So, so how can we not see this 
very same thing in our life is it maybe because there's an absence of God's word. I'm not talking about just reading God's word. I'm talking about diving into God's heart. I'm talking about getting into what we would call the nitty gritty, getting into the bulk, getting into the very heart of things. So, so we see it as a miracle, but the reality of it is all it was was the spoken word. So I, what I want to get into our minds and to our spirits today, that this is just how important that the word of God is. This is why it's so important uh, that we are not just in his word, but we are practicing his word every single day. And as we practice his word, as we begin to speak his word, uh, you know, my mind goes back, you know, that the scripture said that God's word is a sure word of prophecy. You, you know, I heard a young man say one time, he said uh, this was a revelation that he got with God. And, and when he spoke that to me, I, I heard exactly what the spirit was saying as well. He said, when we speak, listen to this, when we speak God's word by faith, get that right? When we speak God's word by faith, it's just as though God spoke it himself. Because when we speak God's word, he said, my word shall not return to me in void. Okay, well, what does that mean? Uh, I'm, I'm sending my word out and it's not going to come back to me unfulfilled. I've sent my word out. So when God sent his word out, everything that God spoke Happen and it doesn't return to him undone, unfulfilled. It can return to us, it can come to us unfulfilled. But the reality is, is that it will never come back to God unfulfilled. So it's up to us is what is the part of we playing? You know, my mind goes back to that young rich ruler. What did he say to Jesus? He said, He said, Lord, what must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? There, there's a part that we have to play, and he realized that there was a part that he had to play. But the reality of this is that he did not want to play his part because Jesus told him something he didn't want to hear. So what happened here was that the word spoke something to him that he didn't want to hear. So when we think about that ourselves in our life, man, when, when I sit down and I read sometimes, I'm like, Oh my goodness, Lord, that, that really hurts, that cuts me, that just that, that really shows me the actuality of who I am. We, we, we have an image of ourselves, but before that, we have an image of how people view us, of how people view us. Well, people see me as the pastor. Oh, well, he's a pastor. Or they pe see people as pastors or mentally uh, godly men and women of God. And, hey, they don't make no mistakes. They don't do no wrong. And so, so, so people have an image of them. And then we as individuals, we have an image of ourselves. of, Lord, I know that I'm praying. I know that I'm pursuing you. Lord, I don't know what more that I could be doing. I, I, I don't know how to seek you any better than what I'm doing right now. But there's always the more that we should be given to God and so we see ourselves as in I'm doing everything that I can but the actuality is is that when we stand before God as we are he sees us as who we really are 
and there's nothing hidden because in, 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 this, in this arena over here, we deceive people. We deceive people to say we're this person and we're that person because you see me this way. And then when we're over here, we see ourselves this way. And when we see ourselves in a certain way and it's not true, it's called self-deception. And when we're self-deceived, how many of us have ever been self-deceived before? You deceive yourself because it's like, I know that I'm right. I'm just going to use a small example. I know that I left my keys right here. I, I, I know I didn't put the walnuts in the refrigerator. I'm just speaking out loud a little bit this morning. My wife said, why did you put the walnuts inside of the refrigerator? I said, baby, I didn't put them in there. She said, well, she said, well they don't go in there. I said, well, baby, maybe you're making an honest mistake. No, but I'm saying my wife was self-deceived on that because I left them on the counter. Uh, but that's just something small, and that really doesn't matter. But we see ourselves in a certain way, and if, and if it's not true, if it's not the reality, we become self-deceived. See, but what really happens here, what really happens here is that when we look into the perfect law, when we look into the perfectness of God's heart, this will reflect who we really are. So how are we going to know who we really are if we're stuck in this perspective or if we're stuck in this perspective? But God has called us to be in this perspective. We let the word, the word of God, the light of God's word shine in our life and show us the actuality of who we really are. Man, that's good preaching and I hadn't even got in my notes yet. Amen. So this is what the Holy Spirit wants us to understand. He wants us to see and to hear this revelation of what is absolute. We can't just view it as a miracle. Yes, it's a miracle, but the actuality is that it's God's word. And that's how powerful it is. Hebrews 4 and 12, what does it say? For God's word is more powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide the soul and the spirit. And, and God wants to divide what's flesh, and he wants to divide what's spirit, and he wants to show us who we really are in him. So all throughout the Bible, this is the only account recorded of the personal healing of a deaf man or of a deaf person. That leads me to think that this, that there is so much, that there is so much for us to learn just in these few verses as we saw it. Man, it ain't but four verses, right? It is, it's only four verses, five verses. Maybe I'm counting wrong. Uh, but it's a good thing I'm not a math teacher here this morning. I'm a surveyor by trade, so I should know how to count, right? So the first thing that we want to talk about here, the first thing I want to talk about is this. And as we're talking about these things today, I want us to put ourselves in that realm. I want us to put ourselves in that perspective. I want us to, to understand that, that this is a word that needs to be applicable to who we are right now. Because we don't want to be the perceived image. We don't want to see the self-image. We want to be seen as God sees us. So this right here this morning, this will be the mirror. This will be the mirror that will actually reflect who you are. You know, I, I shave my head so much I don't even have to look in the mirror to do it no more. To, to do it no more. To do it no more. But when I got here this morning, the wife said, man, you left a whole strip across the back of your neck. I'm like, see, it took you that long to see it so nobody else is going to see it. So the, for those of you that are sitting here, those of you that are viewing it on the camera, you ain't going to never see it because I ain't going to show you the back of my head. See, I... I did it anyways. 
But the first thing I want to talk about this morning is, is, is we see Jesus operating in an area that was primarily known for its Greek influence. What does that mean, Pastor? They weren't Jewish. The, the, because the who, what the Jew were the chosen people. That they were God's chosen people. So, so, so the word was not yet for the Greek people. Uh, but Jesus oftentimes found himself in, in these areas. So Jesus was not confined to stay within the region of what was familiar to him. Jesus is not just going to call Jesus or the Holy Spirit's not just going to convict us that call ourselves to children of God, but he is going to convict and he's going to call those people that are running from him as well. So Jesus could oftentimes be found outside of an area that was unfamiliar to himself. We see this all throughout the scripture that Jesus traveled very often. If you read your Bible, if you pick up the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will frequently see this, that Jesus was always on the go. He was always about his father's business. He was always preaching the gospel and teaching the gospel of himself coming to take away the sins of the world and in his travels he oftentimes landed in places that were unfamiliar or even at times he was not welcome you know in the most places in which Jesus was not welcome was amongst his own people because they began to ridicule him you know and I begin to think about that I follow this page on Facebook it's called pastors for pastors and, and I've never seen so much division uh, with within the church itself uh, to watch how so many people are not disagreeable upon their interpretation of the spirit but have been misled by another spirit so we can so so we can be putting this in the same boat. We must we must understand and bring attention that the word of God can be found in all places, everywhere. Everywhere. Why is that? Because God can speak to us anywhere he wants us to. He can speak to us in the shower. He can speak to us sitting on the toilet, not to be derogative. He can sit, he can speak to us sitting in traffic. He can, he, can, he can speak to us while we're sitting at the kitchen table. He, he can speak to us anywhere. He's not limited to just these four walls. So we got to understand that we've got to take Jesus with us outside of these walls. And we got to take him into the places that have become, uh, that, that are unfamiliar to so many people. So it cannot just be confined to what we know as the church. The word was well established long, long before the places with four walls. His, his word was so much before the ordination of, of a church. So let the Holy Spirit open your eyes and ears to the, this very important revelation. The second thing that I want to bring out here this morning, if I could, is that we see that the man was known for his speech impediment. You know, in this translation, it said a deaf and a, and a man with a speech impediment. You see, but the reality here is that what they wanted to do is that in another translations, uh, it said that, they, that this man had a speech impediment. Well, what does that mean? He can't speak correctly. He mumbles over his words. He, oftentimes, my wife accuses me uh, and even my youngest daughter. She said, what did you say? You didn't hear what I said? No, it sounded like you mumbled. And I look at my daughter and I was like, I understood what you said. And then sometimes, you know, my daughter looks at me, well, Daddy, I understood what you said. So I'm beginning to warn her, and if we have a speech impediment, or maybe just my wife can't hear that well. 
But I think she hears perfectly fine. I think sometimes I mumble. Sometimes I, I am stuck in the deception, self-deception of I know what I said, but she didn't hear what I said. Excuse me. So this man was known to have a speech impediment. Some saw that this was being mute or not being able to speak. But the, realistically, his speech was impaired because he was not able to hear. So if you can't hear something, if you could, if you could only imagine not being able to hear how do you think that your speech is going to be? Your words are not going to be plain because you don't really know the pronunciations. You don't know the syllables. You don't know the consonants. Man, I just brought back some elementary right there, right? That was really good. I, I, I did, I, no, I didn't do no studying on that. But we, we have a hard time. That, that person, that individual has a hard time being able to communicate. Because he's not understood. His, his words don't come out as, as being understood. And, and that was what was happening here. So if we could begin to think about it, that how often we mistake one weakness for another. The problem with this speech boiled down to his lack of hearing is what really happened. And so what we're seeing in the church today is we're seeing too many quote unquote Christians becoming complainers. They're, they're being very negative. Uh, they're being argumentative. And seeing what the really the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that because that they can't hear God's heart. They can't hear the Holy Spirit speaking to him, to, to him, to them, is that they are not able to speak God's word. They're not able to speak it because they're not hearing God's word. You know, I had a young man tell me one time, I asked him, I said, brother, I said, do you read your Bible? He said, man, I've already read the Bible. I said, tell me, what you mean you've already read your Bible all the way through? Yeah, I've read, my, I've read the Bible all the way through. You still reading it? No, I done read it one time. But see, what he was looking for is he's looking for historic facts. He's looking for something that he can say, an accomplishment, something that he's done. But the reality of this, yes, I'm saying my favorite word again, this is a never-ending story. God's heart is never ending and he continues to speak to us. When I sit down to read every day, I say, Lord, please show me what man cannot reveal to me. Lord, I want to see your heart on this matter. So, Lord, that I can be seen. Can I can be seen as the way that you see me so that I can be changed into your image. So, and Jesus knew this, and we can plainly see this of how Jesus addressed it as well. So, let me show you a perfect example of this because Jesus realized what happened here. So, turn with me to John chapter 9. We're going to pick up where we left off at last week's scripture as far as our primary scripture. John chapter 9, verse 13. Yeah, we're going to read 20 verses. Y'all got time for that? Good. I didn't give you time to answer. Let's keep going. Then 
they took the man. You remember the guy that was blind? And they began to question him. The, the, the people uh, that knew he was blind. And then they saw him coming back from the pool uh, after he washed his eyes. And they said, is this the guy? They said, no, for sure this is not the guy. But he looks like the guy. And the guy began to proclaim, I am that guy. We ever said that before? Hey, I'm that guy. I'm that person. But he said, I am that guy. So we're going to pick up from there, and we're going to, we're going to uh, pursue this in verse 13. He said, then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. Uh-oh. We already know where this is going. Because it was the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him, the Pharisees asked the man all about him. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see just that simple, right? How else do you want me to explain? I was blind. Jesus did this. Uh, he told me what to do. I obeyed him. And now I can see. That, that's two plus two is four. Every single time. It, 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 there ain't no new math to this. Two plus two is going to be four. And this was the actuality or the reality of what had taken place here. It was something so simple, but it came, it became something so hard to understand because we were trying to perceive it in a perspective that's wrong. So we're going to follow suit. We're going to follow here. And in verse number 16, it said, Some of the Pharisees said, This man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, How could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion. You see that? Of opinions. What people think about me. What I think about myself, but the actuality of who I am. Verse 17, then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. Verse 18, the Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called in. His parents, an eyewitness, right? Is that, is that not what we would call that, an eyewitness? Give me some evidence here. Verse 19, they asked him, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, watch this. We know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogues. You see, they were too worried about how people perceived him. They were too worried about how people see me, what light is being shown on me in front of these people. And, you know, so I, I go back to uh, this saying that I've heard a long time ago. When we go to a funeral, we've all been to a funeral before. When you go to a funeral and the person is laying there in a casket, if they hadn't been cremated, even if they were cremated, if they're laying there and they're dead and there's no more spirit, there's no more life in their body, how many of them did you ever see? sit up and say hey I don't like the clothes you put on me this is not my favorite jewelry I don't like the makeup you put on me and you know why they don't say that it's because they're dead 
They're dead. They're dead to self. They're dead to the world. So how many of us are dead to self? I, I, I got to put myself in the casket. I got to put myself on the cross every day so that I can die and resurrect to the newness of life that God has called me to. And they were worried about an image of how they would be perceived. And they were worried that they were going to be expelled from the synagogue of being able to come in and to worship corporately because that they would proclaim the truth. Hallelujah. Verse 23. That's why they said he is old enough to ask him. So for the second time they called in the man who had been blind and told him God should get the glory for this because we know this man Jesus is a sinner I don't know whether he is a sinner the man replied but I know this <laughs> I know this I was blind but now I can see I, I was I was one way and now I'm another. You know, I look back to five years ago to the day, you know, I, I was on a fast and, and, and I was one way. And through the fast and, and, and through all the turmoil that I was going through, I was one way. But I became another. I began to walk into what God had called me to. And I began to forget this arena about how people are going to perceive me of who I used to be. And, and I get away from the arena of who I really think that I am. And the past of who I used to be. And I wanted to stand in the light of who God has called me to be. So I was blind. But now I can see. And God wants us to see as well. Let's continue with verse 26. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man explained. Look, 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 look. just, just watch this. Because what happens here is how many times have you had to explain yourself to somebody? More than once? More than twice? More than three times. So what happens here is like, man, why don't you understand what's going on here? Is there something missing in between your ears? Do, why do you not comprehend what I'm so plainly saying that two plus two equals four? I was blind. Jesus put mud on my eyes. He told me to go wash it off. I was blind too. Jesus told me to go wash the mud off my eyes. And when I did and I came back, I was four. I can see because I responded to the word. I did what the word told me to do. I want to be that guy. You remember when the, when the blind man said, hey, I'm that guy. No, you just look like the guy. No, I'm that guy. I want to be, I want to be that guy. I want to, I want to be that guy. So watch this. Back to verse 27. He said, look, the man explained, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciple too? Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses but we don't even know where this man comes from. 
let's time. Let's just time out. I know you still reading. I know the scripture's still up there, but I, I want to just time out on that. How can they continue to believe someone that's been dead for three thousand years? How can they believe someone that's been dead, even if it was 2,000 years? You know, so here we're sitting today, and people are, are believing something, something so much more than what's visible for us. You know, if I saw the signs and the miracles that Jesus did, you best believe, hey, dude, I'm jumping on that wagon with him because I want to ride to wherever he's going. And then the 12 the disciples that Jesus had picked amongst, that, that, that these people, these guys, these individuals, they wanted to follow him because they saw what he was doing. Even Peter said in John chapter 8, he said, I don't specifically like what you're saying, Lord, but where else am I going to go? So sometimes I'm like, uh, just in the flesh, I'll be honest with you, Lord, I don't like that too much, but I don't have nowhere else to go. You, you hold the keys to the kingdom. You are the life and the death. You, you are the life and the resurrection. You, you are the everything. So when we begin to look at him in that facet, when we begin to see and to understand that in our blindness, that we can really see Him. And we can only see Him through Spirit. Hallelujah. Verse 30. He said, why? That's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where He comes from? Aren't you the Pharisees? Aren't you the religious leaders? How can you not know someone that has brought sight to me? And I was blind. I don't know who he is because I, I, I'm just a peon. But you, you're supposed to be hearing from God, but yet you're not telling me. So, 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 that, so it continues on here. Verse 31, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. But he is ready to hear those who worship him and what? And do his will. So we're, we're, we're talking about that we're, so we kind of went from a topic about seeing to the reality of hearing. Because they really weren't hearing what this man had to say. Because they were too busy trying to look at the situation instead of trying to hear the situation. If we would get our eyes off the storm and begin to put our ears to Jesus and begin to hear what the word of God is telling us, we're going to walk and we're going to proclaim his victory. We're going to be victorious in everything that he's called us to. Because his word cannot lie. His word cannot lie. Verse 32. Ever since the world began, no one, watch this, no one, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done him. And I begin to research, and I begin to research through the Old Testament. Excuse me. There is no record. There is no record of someone gaining their sight that was born blind. And seeing what Jesus did here was Jesus did something that nobody had ever seen before. You see, but the actuality is that Jesus removed him from the scene. 
And what he did for him was behind what we may say is closed doors, but it was privately. All in the things that God can do in our private time with him. Hallelujah. So we witness here the cause and effect from the original symptom of the Pharisees. Their blindness was due to their lack of hearing. Did we, did we see that or did we hear what we just said? But see, when we begin to hear what we just said, we can now see what was spoken. When, when we hear God, we, we begin to catch that glimpse that his word is forever. His word is eternal. His word is just. His word was from the beginning. So why would we ever doubt that? It's because of our lack of hearing. It's not because from our lack of vision. Their blindness was due to their lack of hearing. Time and time again, they questioned this man about his healing, but refused to listen. So this is a cause of a continual case of blindness. A continual case of blindness. That Jesus even addressed this in the latter part of that scripture. Let's go to verse 35. Yeah, we're going to skip verse 34. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Watch this. Verse 35. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment. Did you see that? Do, do, do we see that? This was another work, and this is another part of the gospel that so many people are leaving out of their testimony, that, that's leaving out of the message that they're preaching today, that God is a just God, that he does render judgment. And we got to understand that, that when we stand before him on judgment, it's because we've already been condemned. He said, I did not come into this world to condemn you because the world was condemned already. Well, what do you mean here, pastor? The world is already on its way to hell. He's just here to save us from going to hell. It, it, we've talked about it before time and time and time again. If somebody was in the process of running off a cliff, if somebody was in the process to running out into oncoming traffic, what would we do? We would step in. We would bridge the gap. We would let them know, hey, there's a cliff here. And if you jump, you're going to die. If you can't run out to oncoming traffic, you're going to die. You're going to suffer the consequences. And so why are we telling people that you can do whatever you want to do? And God's going to forgive you of your sins. Amen. That is true. But God has called us to walk in holiness and in righteousness. Not our self-righteousness, not our own holiness, to walk in his holiness, to walk in the everything that he's called us to walk in. Continue with verse 39. Then Jesus told him, I enter this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind 
and to show those who think they see that they are blind. The Pharisees were stuck in the image of how people perceived him. But they were also stuck in the image of how they perceived themselves, that they were so holy that they stood before God. But the the actuality is all that they ever really had was a religion. And what they failed to have was this relationship with God. Lord, that you're going to view me. You can see me. It doesn't matter these clothes that I'm wearing. It doesn't matter the title that I put on myself. But what happens here? See, because when when Jesus when Jesus looks at us and he's either going to say one or two things he's going to say depart from me for I never knew you or he's going to say what well done thy good and faithful pastor well done my good and faithful worship leader well done my good and faithful door greeter servant you hit it servant and God has called us to be his servant and when God judges he's, he's going to see the servant heart that he's called us to have you know Jesus displayed this when he washed the disciples feet you know Peter looked at him he said Lord you're not going to wash my feet you're not going to wash my feet Lord for I forbid you to do it but Jesus said that if you don't let me wash your feet hey you can't have a part of what I am because I want to show you how to be a servant I want to show you how to be a servant. And that's what we as husbands are. We as the, the spiritual leaders of our home, is that's what we are, is we are supposed to be the display to our family of what a servant really is, of what God has called us to be. You know, sometimes we feel like us men, let's just be real honest with you. I slave in day in and day out. I do this and I do that and I get no recognition. But see, what happens is, is what happens is your little girl grows up and they say, I want to marry a man just like my daddy I want someone that's going to take care of me in the good and in the bad they're not going to see me for my flaws but they're going to love me through the ins and through the outs and I'm so glad (laughs) I'm so glad that I've married my wife you know because when I married my wife I said baby I said you sure are spoiled And I said, man, my father-in-law, man, I've got some big shoes to fill in here. And I failed at it so many times. I failed at it so many times. But I look where God has brought me from. That I was once blind and now that I can see that now I can fulfill those shoes. I can feel those shoes that I can be that servant that God has called me to be to my wife and to my kids. You know, I looked at my daughter when I was doing uh, premarital counseling with her and her husband. And I looked at both of them. And I looked at my daughter first and I said, don't ever expect your husband to be your daddy. Don't expect him to be your daddy. He's your husband. And that's what God has called him to be is your husband, your caretaker, person that's going to be there for you is not your daddy you know and I told him the same thing I said she's not your mama you're not marrying your mama you're marrying a woman that loves you for who you are she chose to love you us parents we had to love our kids right man sometimes that's hard too but our spouse we chose to love them and when we made those vows we said for better or for worse 
It doesn't matter which one frequencies us most. But when we, when we begin to think about it, you know, when somebody dies, you know, what, what happens here is they begin to think about all the good times that they had. They think about all the times that that individual cherished them, that they loved them, that they cared for them, and that they were there for them. It wasn't the bad times. When we begin to think about the bad times and they begin to override all of the goodness that has happened here, then our perspective begins to change. But I want us to know here today that God has always been good to us. He's never done us wrong. He's never brought harm our way. We saw the little video last week, and I can't show it for, uh, for copyright purposes, but the actuality here is that we saw that this man seemed like he abandoned his little girl. But what happened is he wanted her to realize you have the strength. You have to, you have to go through what's been spoken to you. You, you. You've got to go through these trials. And sometimes we feel like that we go through these trials alone. But God has never left us. Because God's word was what? God's word said, I would never leave you. Nor would I forsake you. He said, I will go with you to the even to the ends of the earth. You know, David said, Lord, did it, even if I made my bed in hell, are you not there? That doesn't mean that David, David went to hell. But what happens is, Lord, that even if I tried to reject you, even if I chose not to walk with you, your presence would still be there. You would always be calling me forward. You would always be calling me to your heart. And that's what happened with me as my testimony is that God never left. I left God, but he never left me. And he continuously called me in my bad times. So I reflect on all of the things that God has saved me from. Let's continue here. I don't even know where I left off. Some of the Pharisees who were standing nearby, verse number 40, some of the Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying... We're blind. If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim that you can see. You, you remain guilty because you don't want to stand in the actuality of who you are. You're stuck in the deception that I see myself as this. I can really see. But we've talked about it that self-deception is the worst deception because you think that you're right, but the reality is that you're wrong. We want to be standing right here, ladies and gentlemen. And I ain't talking about on this, uh, on this stage. I'm talking about in the light of God's word so that his word can shine in on us and show us who we really are because that's how we're going to be judged. I, I need to pick up the pace here a little bit. So Jesus also addressed this in Luke chapter 34. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 11. Watch this. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure, watch this, man. When I saw this, when I saw this, make sure the light you think you have is not actually darkness. Be sure that you're not deceived. Don't think that you're really in right standings with God when we're not lining up with his word because his word will put us right here. Make sure the light you think you have is not actually darkness. You not remember reading in the scripture that Satan comes as what? 
as an angel of what? As an angel of light. He, he, will, he will perceive himself to be something that he's not. He, he wears a mask. And that's exactly what Jesus used in that Greek word here when he called the Pharisees hypocrites. Is what it was that called? One who wears a mask. One who acts in a play. One who, who portrays to be a character that they're really not. And that's why Jesus called them hypocrites. So Jesus was making sure that he was telling the individuals and the disciples here to make sure that the light that you're putting in is not actually darkness. Verse 36, because watch this. Here's what will happen. If you are filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant. You're going to shine. You're not just going to keep the light inside of you. We, we talked about it. You can't light a, a candle and put it on a, on a hill and cover it with a bushel basket. You can't cover it with a basket. It's supposed to be there so that what? So that all the world can see. As though a floodlight were filling you with light. We're supposed to be radiating with the joy of God. We're supposed to be, oh, let's just get real here. We're supposed to be radiating with the word of God. When, when this is what's filling us, we talked about it. If I took this cup and I took another cup, but because I ain't going to do it because I don't want to get water all over the place. But if I just kept pouring and pouring and pouring, what happens is it overflows. It radiates. It, it, it goes beyond what it contains. So when we begin to place God's word in our heart, when we begin to stand on the very thing that created the heavens and the earth, the thing that placed the earth in motion when he took and he spun it and, and, and life begun when, when God took and he took his fingers and he hung the stars in the sky this is the very same thing that's supposed to be radiating from us amen hallelujah let's get to the let's get to our next point here and I better hurry up man I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm burning the candles at both in here this morning the next thing I want us to talk about is we can see Jesus separated this man from the crowd did he not do, you, do we don't remember that we went back to that and Jesus said that he removed the man from the crowd he removed him from the crowd watch this he removed him from the influence of of others. Jesus put him in a place where he could be devoted, where he could devote his attention to him and the words that would be spoken. Jesus will separate us. You know, I, I, I look back over my life over these past several years of how God has separated me from all the individuals that I used to call friends, the people that I used to associate with. I'm not saying that they're not friends anymore. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying here is that God separated me from them. He said, come from, out from amongst the world. Be separated. So God separated me. And see, and that's what Jesus was doing here. He removed him from the influence of others. Throughout the scripture, think back to this very poem. Jesus did perform miracles in the public. He did. I'm not going to deny that. But watch this. But oftentimes, he either removed them from the surroundings or there was no one around. When he healed the blind man, we just talked about it in John chapter 9. There was nobody there but the disciples. When Jesus was when Jesus was went to to the well in Samaria, well, what happened? There was nobody there. 
When, when Jesus, Jesus first proclaimed himself as the Messiah, and who did he tell? He told it to people that didn't even receive the Jews, couldn't even stand the Jews. And this was the same thing that happened here. Jesus wanted to separate. When God separates us, when we allow God to separate us from the influences of our life, from the very thing that has caused us to be distracted, we can then, we can then give him what? Our full attention. Our full attention. That's why God separated me from the TV. That's why God separated me from so many things because he wanted me to be able to hear him well. He, he didn't want me to be hearing the voices uh, from, from people that I used to hang out with. He didn't want me to hear the, the influences from people that I used to know. He didn't want me to hear the influences of my family or my love. He wanted me to hear his voice so clearly. So he did what he separated me. Watch this. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. He healed the man of leprosy. And no one but the disciples were there. Do we remember that account? Jesus healed the blind when no one was around. When non-believers are around or try to comprehend, they question the authenticity of the authority and the anointing that Jesus operated in. Always did. Who was the non-believers? Who were the non-believers? Who were the non-believers? The Pharisees. They, they couldn't understand what he was doing. And we, we saw that being the case with the man that was blind. And he tried to explain the situation. He tried to explain what Jesus had done. But they couldn't comprehend it. They, they, they didn't understand it. So watch how this individual responds. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8 verses 5 through 10. We're going to go quickly here. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my house. Just what? Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am what? I am under the authority of my superior officers. I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, watch this. This is one of two times. One of two times Jesus ever made this phrase, he was amazed. Jesus was amazed. He turned to those who were following him. Who was following him? Even his disciples were following him. Let's be real about this. I tell you the truth. Why did he have to say that? I want to make sure you're listening to me. I want to make sure that you're hearing what I'm saying. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And this is coming from a Roman soldier. Why do we think that is? Watch this. This type of believing is what Jesus called great faith. 
this Gentile man took Jesus for his word because he understood authority. He understood that if Jesus said it, that it was absolute. He knew that he couldn't change it. He knew that if Jesus spoke it, that the situation was going to line up with what Jesus had to say here. Where are we at today? Where are we at, ladies and gentlemen? He understood the authority that this type of faith must be accompanied with the fear of the Lord. This is believing the report of the Lord over what man says and how circumstances may manifest himself. Amen. Next thing I want to talk about here real quick. We see the same act of Jesus doing this thing that made no sense. Because we talked about it. He, he touched his tongue, right? He stuck his fingers in his ears. And then he spit on his fingers and placed it on his tongue. I, I just don't get it. So you want him to taste earwax and you want him to taste your saliva. That's what our minds are going to, right? That's what we're thinking about. But I want your mind to go here. I want you to think about this. Did it really make sense to put his fingers in this man's ears or to touch his tongue? I agree that this seems to be no purpose to this whatsoever. But what if, what if this now? What if this is how Jesus would communicate with the man? He can't hear, right? He can't hear, so maybe he can't really. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm speculating here a little bit, but all I can give you is what the Scripture has given me and what the Spirit has placed in my heart here this morning. Jesus wanted this man to know what he was doing because he had separated him. He separated from people maybe that was able to communicate with him. But Jesus brought him over here to the side and showed him his actual image. And Jesus wanted to communicate. So in the communication, what did he do? He touched the parts that weren't functioning right. Where is Jesus touching you at today, ladies and gentlemen? Jesus wanted this man to know what he was doing. Jesus did the same for the two that was on the road to Emmaus. He met them in their despair. If nobody knows the story, it's at the end of the book of Luke. I almost included it, but I didn't for, for time's sake. That, that in the book of Luke, you know, after Jesus had resurrected, you know, there was two disciples that was on the road uh, back to their home, and they were on the road uh, going to uh, Emmaus. Excuse me. And it said, Jesus appeared to them as though he had been walking beside them. And, and, and God, God did not allow them to see who he really was. Excuse me again. And Jesus began to open up the scripture. He began to open up the word and began to display himself from the book of Genesis all the way through the Old Testament of how that he would be the Messiah and that how he would have to die and suffer at the hands of the Pharisees and that he would have to die so that he could be the remission of sins. And then they invited him in to come in and to eat. And it said, when Jesus sat down with them and they began to break the bread, well, what does that mean? They began to eat. They began to fellowship with one another. How many people is thinking about eating right now? Don't be honest. <laughs> I got to throw that one in there on you. But Jesus broke bread with him. And what happened? 
when they, when they begin to sit down and begin to really have that fellowship, it said immediately their eyes were open and Jesus disappeared. So, and that's what happens here. It, again, Jesus made this truth made known and he made it plain. So what makes us any difference? If we will sit down and break bread with Jesus, our eyes can be open to what is reserved for those who fear him. Go with me to John chapter 8, verse 47. Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. I'm going to read that again. Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. If we're not hearing God speak plainly, and we're trying to we're, we're trying to understand why this is happening, this is happening. Oh, those things are only symptoms. The root cause. The root cause is because we're not really belonging Him. And, and I'm going to tell you why here in just a minute. All throughout Scripture, we have heard this saying, He that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to us, the church. Or even with some translation, He said, He that has an ear, let him hear these words. And so we got to think about it, that, that God wants us to be able to hear him. We got to be, if you can't understand when somebody says something, then you don't know which direction that they're leading you to. If you don't understand the instructions that you've been given, are you really listening? Or is it just really because you can't hear? Luke chapter 6, verse 46. I know we have this slide up there every week, but I want to talk about this for just a second. And then we're going to move on. Luke 6, 46, he said, what good does it do for you to say, I am your Lord and master if what I teach you is not put into practice? What good, what good would it be for me to say, Becky, I love you with all my heart. I'll do anything for you. But come Monday morning, I ain't getting up and I ain't going to work. I ain't getting a paycheck. We ain't get, bills ain't getting paid. I, we ain't cooking dinner. There, there is no display of love. And it just becomes a word of love instead of an action of love. You see, and that's what Jesus was saying here is what good does it so good for you to call me Lord, but not do what I tell you to do. James confirmed this in James chapter 1, verse 19 through 25. Watch this. He said, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbling, except the word God has planted in your heart. Humbly accept it. Lord, I don't exactly like what you have to say, but I don't have nowhere else to go because you hold the keys, Lord. You are the everything. You are the absoluteness. Watch this. For it has the power to save your soul. Verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must what? You must do what it says. Otherwise, what? You are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror. Did any of us look in the mirror this morning? I'm sure we did. 
even if it was in the bathroom here at the church, you looked in the mirror. And if your hair was out of place, maybe if you still had a little bit of bed head, maybe you had a cow lick. I ain't calling no names out here this morning, uh, but I know I ain't got no cow lick. <laughs> we can't be looking at everybody here to see who has a cow lick this morning. <laughs> but he said, but, but you yourself, verse 24, you see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. How could you really see that you had a cowlick or that you had dirt on your face, that you had food in your beard, and you didn't address it, you just walked away and that you forgot that it was there? But see, what happens is, is, is so now you're in this, but now everybody has begun to perceive you in that same arena. But, but it doesn't change that God still sees us the very same way. What do we look like as God views us? But if you look, in, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't, don't forget what you what? You heard. To heard something, that means you got to hear, right? We're hearing it this morning. Then God will walk, then God will bless you for doing it. Being able to hear correctly will keep us from falling. Hearing correctly keeps us in the right perspective of what's right and what's almost right. Follow me one more time in closing. Yes, I know we've been linked to here today. But I had such a word that's burning in my spirit that I wanted to share this with you. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. The serpent, known as who? The devil, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals in uh, the Lord God had made. One day he asked a woman, did God really say you must eat the fruit, that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Verse number two, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. The only fruit from the tree, the only, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Verse number four, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Verse number five, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw. She saw. She saw. That the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. Sin is enticing, is it not? It's very enticing. It's so easy to sin. Because there's no discipline in it whatsoever. The woman was conceived. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. How, how, how could he stand by and watch this transpire? How could he stand by and watch her become deceived? How could he do that? Watch this, verse number seven. This is it right here, ladies and gentlemen. At that moment, 
After what? At this moment, after he ate too. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Neither one of their eyes were open until he partook of the fruit, right? Why is that? Let me tell you why. Let me ask you this. So in chapter number two, after God had created the man, he looked at man and he said that you can eat from any tree of the garden except for this one. And then what happened? Then he put Adam in a deep sleep and then he created Eve, right? Was Eve there when God gave this revelation to Adam? She wasn't there. So what does that mean? That means Adam communicated this word to her. He was told directly from God, but she got her information from who? Adam. So what happens here is that neither one of their eyes were open until he ate. And why is that? Because he was the one that heard God. She heard Adam. She had a communicated knowledge. Adam had a revelation knowledge. He knew and heard it directly from the mouth of God himself. And then yet he still sat there and he watched this transpire. He watched this happen. So what happens here is that Eve was deceived. She was this right here. She was deceived. But what happened to Adam it was he was disobedient. So what I want to point out here to us is that the just judgment that God placed upon Adam and Eve carried the same consequence, right? They carried the very same thing. So we can't be saying, oh, well, you deceived me. You tricked me into believing that I can live however I want and I can still make it into the presence of a holy God. It's a bunch of baloney. Why are we not opening up our Bible and seeing that as well? I have a driver's license, but that doesn't mean that I have the driver's license to speed. There is a law. There is, there is that love that keeps me from walking away. There is that fear of God that keeps me drawn to his presence. That I always want to please him in everything that I do. Pastor, so you're saying that you never fail. Man, I fail oftentimes. But I'm quick. I'm quick that while I'm down on my knees, Lord, please forgive me. Lord, please forgive me. Give us a little music. I'm going to close this on that one. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're saying... Maybe you're saying, don't say it to me. Just say, Lord, I've been deceived. Lord, I've perceived myself as this person. Lord, Lord, I've been accused or I've been so worried about how other people view me. But Lord, the actuality is, Lord, is that, Lord, after I've heard your word today. Lord, I see how you're viewing me. Maybe you're sitting here today. Maybe you're viewing us online. Maybe you've shared this. See, because when we think about it, we can't hide nothing from God. When the light is shone on it, we can't hide it no more.
God wants us to open our ears to hear what he's having to say. But how can we ever understand what he's saying if we're not hearing him speak? It's up to you today to put yourself in this situation to to be surrendered before God. Lord, I want to hear you. A young man told me the other day, you know, that while we started this fast, he said, I started my fast. And he said, Lord, I want to hear you speak. Do we want to hear God speak? Because we got to remember, we're going to hear things that we might not want to hear. But all of it's pointing us to him. It's pointing us to his heart. Maybe there's people here or online that you don't know the Lord. Maybe you've not seen the Lord. Maybe you've not heard the Lord. But you too, you too can see and hear Him. There's nothing magical about it. It's just repenting. It's just repenting. It means to have a change of heart that's manifested by the way that we live. We have to change the way that we are living That's true repentance, ladies and gentlemen. Just be real with God. Be real with Him. He's real with us. Be real with Him. Let me pray with you today. Dear Lord, we just thank you today. Lord, we thank you for your love. Lord, it's so unfathomable. Lord, we thank you for a mercy. Lord, for not getting the things that we do deserve. Lord, and we thank you for grace of getting the things that we don't deserve. Lord, we thank you for your strength, Lord, here today. We thank you, Lord, for the reminder in your word, Lord. Lord, of how important, Lord, it is for us to hear you. Lord, today as we move forward and we go forth, Lord, to to depart ways here today. Lord, let us take your word, place it in our heart, Lord, so that we can become the individual, Lord, that will affect the multitude of the people and point them to your word, to point them to your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, that you've loved us so much that you gave us your only son, son that would die for us, Son, that will bridge the gap so that we may have a relationship with you. Lord, so that when we stand before you as spotless, spotless and without blemish. Lord, that we could have the everything, Lord, that you called us to. Forgive us, Lord, when we go astray. Quickly, Lord, Holy Spirit, quickly draw us back to God's heart. Lord, so that we can remain in the image of how you see us to be. Help us to take your word, Lord, to read it, to study it, to become a student of your word, to apply it into our life. We bless you, Lord. We ask that you would be with us. Keep us safe until you so decide to bring us back, Lord. And if if you decide to call our number, Lord, while we're not in the presence of one another, 
I pray, Lord, that we've made the decision of the forever of being in your presence. We praise you, we glorify you, we honor you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Again, thank you for coming out today. Thank you for allowing me to share God's heart with you. You can end the live feed, baby. And I just challenge you. I, I challenge you as you pastor. You know, somebody said, you, you don't beg people to do nothing. But as a pastor, you know, because what happens is that the shepherd, the shepherd will see that the sheep may be going slightly off path. And it's his, his job to push them back onto the path. And I just want to urge us today to finish strong this week. To finish because God's got so much. God's, got, God's not just placed this word here for the two or three or four or eight of us or ten of us. God has this word for so many people. I love you. God bless you. We'll see you again next week.